Welcome everyone to Jimmy and Neil Have Problems. Today we're tackling what's probably more of a social problem than a technical one. And it's adventure for kids is risky. Yeah, Neil, you have you have an interesting childhood. Would you be able to speak to a little bit what your childhood was like in terms of risk? And how that yeah. Sure. Um I mean for the most part my parents were pretty hands off mm -hmm. um where i grew up in new mexico actually where i am now um and i could do kind of whatever i wanted um yeah you know catch catch lizards and bugs and snakes you know all good stuff oh you want to climb that mountain okay go ahead don't get hurt um yeah I think there was a lot of trust. I, I that's what I remember. Mm -hmm. Neil and I would go on some. I, we went to Colorado one summer, and mm -hmm. it was interesting the experience both of us had with our parents. Where I feel like I had to sell pretty hard, and you were your parents were a little bit more like, okay, if that's what you want to do, like you yeah. take care of yourself, and yeah, yeah. No, for there's been several times where I've sort of asked kind of crazy things of my parents and their typically responses yeah sure so for well, example remember, when yeah. i was in high school i wanted to go to iceland so i said hey mom round trip tickets to iceland are 500 dollars." sort of expecting as a you know as a high schooler to have a parent say eh that might be cool but no and her response was if that's really the case, you should go. So then I did. I think it's a blast. You've had a lot of really fun experiences. Yeah. You know, same yeah. thing with, you know, Chile and the Arizona Trail, where it's just like, I say something crazy and, you know, they trust that I'm going to make good decisions. Yeah. And I think, like, I had a, I think growing up where you did was really interesting because I grew up in suburbia in Indiana. You know, I was outside as much as I could be. My parents got me outside as much as I could be. I was mm -hmm. always catching things like crawdads and, you know, fish and bugs, praying mantis I love to catch. Mm -hmm. But it's such a different feel and it's such a different like our city that I grew up in went from 8,000 people to 80,000 in the time I lived there. So we had this mm -hmm. city with a ton of change whereas you know, I think you generally grew up in communities where people knew and trusted one another. Yep. And we had that on our block, but not any further than that. And I didn't really even have places to explore like you did. Like there wasn't, I've been to Neil's hometown. There's literally a mountain right next to him. You know, mm -hmm. like I had a park a mile away. That was the closest thing I had, a tiny little park, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think just based on the setting, our parents and our and us personally like adapted differently to the situation you know mm -hmm. yeah but i think in general though two of the levers here are a perception of risk and and then how you've handled risk in the past yep yep so i think i'm generally an anxious person i generally perceive a lot of risk so even going back to when i was a kid i would not do rock climbing walls now, there were some areas where I, I loved and I, I had a great history with bugs. Like I could handle cicadas. I could handle spiders. I don't know why. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> but at the time I could. And so there's like a perception of risk. 
and then there's a history of risk, and then there's like real statistical risk, right? Yep. So I think like riding without a helmet on your bike is actually a really high risk. Yep. That I think is in some families correctly assessed and in others underrated, you know, whereas yeah. I, I don't know, but it's, it's hard to know. I think recently I saw this interesting story that our perception of crime is more related to the news about crime than it is to the reality. We yep. almost always think crime is increasing in our community and it's almost mm -hmm. always decreasing. I mean, really since the 1990s, we've seen a dive in crime in the last yep. 30 years. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's really hard to judge though. I think one thing we've talked about and my fiance and I've talked about a lot is how risk is related to fun. There's a real thrill that comes with it. And there's a real trust that you acquire in yourself when you take, you know, thoughtful risks. Now it's hard to judge what's a good risk and what's a bad risk. I, I, I echo the levers put out by Jimmy. I also think that some sort of for that danger piece, you know, the total danger, the distribution of danger and the average danger all yep. matter. That's a very good point. And it's different based on geography, right? The danger mm -hmm. of letting your kid rock climb or climb around in, you know, Indiana where there's hardly anything. And if you live next to the Grand Canyon, those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. Although when I was in second grade, we hiked the Grand Canyon and most of the way down, I was like a mile ahead of my parents. Um, and there's also a, an iconic picture of me. We're like halfway down the Grand Canyon at like a landing and I climbed a tree like in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> oh. Yeah, see, I would have, I probably would have gotten so scared. I could handle like a 10 foot tree <laughs> with nothing below me growing up in very flat Indiana. Yeah. I, I think one of the levers is geography. I think that's really underrated. Now that I'm, we're talking about it more and more, I remember too, just the types of animals you run across is different. So like in Oregon, there were a couple of kids there that I was really good friends with. And it was just wild to me, the types of animals they had to deal with, right? You have mm -hmm. cougars out there. Every rock you flip over has scorpions under it. And I just didn't really have anything as a kid that could really screw me up. Yeah, but, I think it's, yeah. it's interesting where in some ways, New Mexico is so much more dangerous than Indiana. Yeah. Right. Where, I mean, I, as a kid, we caught scorpions, you know, yep. maybe not the wisest thing. And I remember one time we got in some trouble because we were trying to catch a rattlesnake. Um, <laughs> but then there's also mountain lions and there's wolves and there's, you know, big things to fall down. Yep. I think, though, but, proximity to danger engenders a certain trust and you you have to rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. If you're a kid in New Mexico, you can't be like me. And I don't know. It's harder to develop even yeah. as someone who's really anxious and worried about every little thing. I don't know. I also think it's interesting, the, the community part of it, where, you know, every, we knew everyone in our in our neighborhood. And yeah. our neighborhood is sort of disconnected. It's about a mile to any other neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So there's like a, a mile radius be yeah. before you run into anyone you don't know. Yep. 
And I don't That's know, wild. there's something different where, like, yeah, a mountain lion can really hurt you, but there's no malice. Whereas a person oh, can really hurt you. That's but a very when yeah. a person hurts you, that is, you know, depraved. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. And and I hadn't thought about the fact, you know, I only had to go five hundred feet till I found a neighbor I didn't know. And we had a neighbor who was pretty unstable that we did know um that you knew to stay away from as well. Mm-hmm. I think living in areas with bigger populations you end up with just a wider variety of people some who are super kind and some who are not you know yeah mm-hmm. whereas i think in your community if someone was really unkind they probably would have gotten pushed out or dealt with and yeah they would have been heavily managed you know mm-hmm. by the community so yeah i think we've so far kind of talked about physical risks I think there's a lot to social risk as well, as in, I think risk is really a risk for harm of any kind, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's a cost-benefit kind of analysis. I don't know that that's the best way to think about it, though, cost-benefit. Is, is this risk worth it? Because we can't predict the future, and some risks are new and novel, like... Mm-hmm. Is a there when we went to Oregon, there were murder hornets coming over. Um, mm-hmm. They're coming over from Asia on shipping containers. And, you know, like if you've never seen a murder hornet and you're like, maybe I'll go near this bug, you know, you don't know actually the risk until you actually know mm-hmm. what it is. There's a lot of unknowns. I think a lot of Punished by Rewards, which is a great book, and nonviolent communication here. I think a lot about those when it comes to this, where I think more, the older I get, the less I think about risk as the cost benefit analysis and more as an opportunity for communication. And I mean, this also harkens to coddling of the American mind. That's an excellent. Yep. Um, yeah. That one's more in intellectual risk, less, less physical risk. But I think as well, you know, as I'm seeing, and I'm venturing into the political here, but as I'm seeing people across the country react to one side or the other, you know, whether it be in terms of what what kids read in schools or what, there's there's this real fear of intellectual risk mm-hmm. that, and I think our kids need to feel trusted to be able to navigate complicated ideas, kind of yep. like what you encountered in New Mexico, you rise to the occasion. Like our kids are really mm-hmm. smart. We need to trust that they can sniff out what's mm-hmm. going on. And they do a lot of times. I remember, you know, I worked with kids for four years when I was in college and, and even before that. And I was always blown away by how perceptive they were mm-hmm. and how much they knew that I, even I didn't about what was going yep. on in the world. Yeah. And yeah. there is a difference between trusting kids and probably trusting them more than we feel comfortable with and neglect that's right. an excellent point yep like i knew you know what directions i could go right yeah it's like i was more okay to to venture one way than another and there's a, a canyon about a mile and a half that as a kid we would go to and you know the kids would sort of scamper up the canyon walls a little bit and one kid once 
fell and had to be medevaced to yeah. Albuquerque two hours away yeah. um, with a, a head injury. And after that, it was, you can still go, but if you're going to go climbing, you need to be wearing your helmet. Oh, yep. I, it, it wasn't ever like you can't go to First Canyon anymore. I really love Scott Galloway talks about guardrails. And I think that's one side of this is, and that's the difference between neglect and trust is if there's neglect, there's no guardrails. If there's mm -hmm. trust, you say within these bounds, I trust you to do whatever you want. I ask you not to go beyond these, mm -hmm. but I don't know what the other side is. I don't, I don't love the framing of a helicopter parent. I think I love Brene Brown. She talks about shaming. I think that can be a really shameful way to talk about parents who have deep concern and a lot of anxiety and aren't sure how to handle it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the other extreme, maybe if, instead of guardrails, it's like a, a fenced in yard. Yep. You know, like instead of saying, I trust you within these boundaries, it's stay within this area. Yep. Well, like a guardrail is on a road where it's, you know, fencing in one or two sides. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a fenced in yard, you know, then there's nowhere to go. Yes. And I think that causes a lack of confidence. A lot of times it's, it's hard to trust yourself. And I think about this a lot when I think about how I'll handle kids socially, especially I remember uh, one of my favorite authors, Donald Miller was friends with a couple and the, the man thought, you know, I thought my job was to protect my kids physically. And he said, what I really have learned is it's to protect them emotionally. And what does that look like? And that I think about it in terms of how am I going to react if my kids playing with another on the playground and I hear words exchanged, how do you step it? That's such a delicate situation of you don't want to overstep and mm -hmm take away the opportunity for them to handle a conflict, but you also don't want to leave them to be bullied. Like those are the things I'm really concerned about mm -hmm. looking forward that, that I don't have great answers to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, neither of us are parents. We have been children at times at one point in our life. Maybe we still are. I think it'd be fun to have parents on this. Could, this could be even a fun series to, to have, to talk about how different people have handled this problem because I, I think it's exceptionally important, you know, kind of in the spheres we talked about. I think intellectually, it's important to let our children, within reason, with guardrails, experience ideas that are different even than ours. Mm -hmm. I think emotionally, it's giving people the tools to navigate conflict and demoing it. I, I struggle though with the emotional risk. I think I'm going to have a really hard time with that, is yeah. letting, letting my kids get hurt emotionally because they'll grow from it and not stepping in. And then mm -hmm. there's of course the physical risk, which I think we all kind of know about and it really dominates our thinking is that. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I think it'd be fun to have people on. Mm -hmm. So Neil, do we want to say any, you know, hard and fast solutions or, or does that not really apply? I mean, I have terrible solutions. A terrible solution is literally have computer vision everywhere and mm -hmm. be constantly judging risk, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, alerting your, your, you to the fact that your child is about to do something risky. Like, it probably isn't that hard to build out. 
because it's so there's some, very clear risk. Black mirror stuff right there. Exactly. Like that's the only solution I can think of, but it's a not a world I want to live in. So Yep. Yep. My solution to everything, uh hiking. Yeah, I think that's actually a good solution. I remember when I got to Oregon, it was a huge deal for me because just encountering reality in that way. So I hiked a bunch. I also did a lot of wood chopping. I worked with fire a lot because we had a wood fired stove. That's how we heated everything. I cooked a lot, just dealing with physical things, you know, sharp knives when you're cooking, a hatchet when you're chopping wood. Like those are great. Uh, up mm -hmm. to a certain age, you know, when people can handle it, those are really confidence building. They're great but, risks to take. Like so much of that, I don't know. It, yeah. Like even from a young age, like when you're young, you can't really hurt yourself that much with an axe. Like it's an interesting point. And, and like a stove is is one thing where it can be very hot in a very small area. But like a Those fire complicated. Yeah. A fire, you sort of understand it really from a young age. In a, in a lot of ways, a fire is actually probably safer for children to be around because it's so spatially obvious what's happening. Yeah. Even, I mean, like dogs. I, I think my dog understands fire. He understood it immediately. So I would bring him to bonfires with Neil and I. I never really had to teach him to stay away yeah. from the fire. <laughs> I have had to teach him to stay away from the stove and the oven. Yep. But... Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So oh, um, yeah. you are watching a kid. How long of a leash do you have? You know, those people who walk their kids. How oh, long God. of a leash do you have? Uh, you know, I've tried to have empathy for that. I, I understand the desire. And I really sincerely, that at the same time, I, I hope I don't do that. Um, I hope I don't get so afraid that I do that. Um, I, I hope I have no, I'm trying to think. With this idea, though. I feel like I have quite a long leash. I actually trust it a lot. I, I do want to have parents on. I think this would be really fun. I was talking to one of our listeners, Zach, and he was talking about us discussing bigger problems that are a little bit more philosophical than technical. And I think this could be a fun one to pilot. So yeah, I'm actually really interested in it. Do you have a rating? What's your rating? Oh, uh, I trust this problem about as far as I can throw it. So not very no. far. Oh. No, I I like this problem. I think it's a big deficiency in the world we live in. Um, yeah. And the more we can do to to prepare kids for the world, so they can enjoy it and they can, you know, struggle with the things that we as society struggle with. Uh, that's just making the world a better place. Yeah, I think I'm going to end with the the thought that drives me here is I've struggled with anxiety a lot. And what I've discovered is the things I do to the things I do compulsively to improve my anxiety, which are normally like reading or, or spinning and thinking about things, they make my anxiety worse. And I think this is one of the challenges we face with kids is the things that we think will help are, are sometimes hurtful. And I worked with a guy at a startup and he worked on EpiPens and he said, allergies are worse than ever because we have isolated our kids from the world. So they're not outside enough. They're not trying new foods. And it's that diversity of experience and the, the exposure to risk that often is the mm -hmm. real 
improvement to our anxiety and to our lives. So on that note, we have to end. If you have experiences with this, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to have you on even. I think this is something we could do a couple episodes on. So thank you so much for joining us. Please reach out at gordium.us at gmail.com or to my Twitter. It's just Jimmy Cerrone. So thank you so much.